Thanks, Simon and Beck. Welcome again, everybody. Let me encourage you uh, to take out your service sheet. And uh, there's a talk outline there that you can uh, write down any comments, questions. You can draw a picture of Zachariah motioning to the family, even though he wasn't deaf. Um, he could actually uh, hear, just couldn't speak. And uh, yeah, follow along uh, with the sermon uh, this morning. Let's pray before we uh, think about this passage together. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Our Father, may we be astonished and amazed by this truth of your character again today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, Christmas Day, two days away, it's going to be an exciting day for many, many people and their families. And at some point during the day, it will no doubt involve little people, and not so little people, devouring the Christmas presents uh, that are under the tree. And there really is an air of excitement around that whole unwrapping process. What's it going to be this year? I remember how good it was last year. What's the next toy going to be this year? And then you take the box that's the biggest that's there under the tree and your eyes start to go wide with excitement. You unwrap that box and you open it and yes, it's what you've been expecting and waiting so long for, the new remote control car. It is so exciting. You can't wait to go and test it out. You look at the packaging, you're mesmerised by the pictures that are on the packaging and it promises so much. This car is going to change your life. It's going to be so amazing. And then there's Boxing Day. The batteries in the car are already dead. The car is scratched up. And the wheels are broken because your brother took it without your permission and thought it was a great idea to jump the car off the front staircase of the house. It's quite specific, but I wonder if that's been your experience at some point in your life. Christmas often comes, doesn't it, with a, an air of excitement, anticipation, expectation, hope, promises. But often these promises, especially those that are on the packaging of the next toy or gadget, often are empty and leave us feeling disappointed, especially on Boxing Day, and wanting more. But it's not just with toys, is it? Uh, often there is an air of expectation and hope and promise at Christmas time in other areas of life. Families coming together, relationships having a chance to be healed, but so often they're left with us feeling disappointed as well. But in our passage today at the end of Luke chapter 1, we're reminded that unlike so many of the empty promises that are associated with Christmas, when God makes a promise, God keeps his promise. God is always faithful and will never let us down. Uh, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, we've seen that God is going to enter into the world in the most wonderful way. For 400 years, there's been silence from God, but now something incredible is about to happen. The angel Gabriel has appeared. That doesn't happen every day. And he has spoken words of promise from God, both to Elizabeth and Zechariah. They're going to have a son. 
who we know is going to be John the Baptist, who is going to prepare the way. And then the angel Gabriel also promised from God to Mary and Joseph that they're going to have a son and he will be the way, the way of salvation for the world. And I think what Luke wants us to see in chapter 1, the end of it today, is that God is faithful. What God says he's going to do through the angel Gabriel, we see here at the end, God does. God is faithful, not fickle, is the big idea from today's message. I want you to see how clear this is. Turn back to me to verse 13 and verse 14 of chapter 1. This is the angel with a word from God, a promise from God to Zechariah. And I want you to see how literally it's fulfilled in our passage today. Verse 13, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you and many will rejoice at his birth. Three promises there. Elizabeth's going to have a son. His name's going to be John. And there's going to be rejoicing at his birth. Three promises. Now jump over to our passage today, verse 57 and verse 58. See just how literally and specifically those promises are fulfilled. Verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she had a son. Then her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy and they rejoiced with her. And when they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zechariah after his father, but his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Elizabeth's going to have a son, his name's going to be John, and there's going to be rejoicing at his birth. And we see that specifically in verse 57 and 58 today. But there's even more evidence in our passage of God's faithfulness to his word. Uh, back in verse 20 of chapter 1, because Zechariah didn't believe the promise from God, verse 20, now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their proper time. And then in verse 62, we see that word fulfilled. Verse 62. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. I just love that picture. You know, Zechariah, he's unable to speak, but he can still hear, but they're like using sign language so that... He's like, if he could speak, he'd say, I'm not deaf, I can understand what you're saying. He asked for a writing tablet. I don't know how he did that, but he's... He asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. They were all amazed. This is the fulfillment, verse 64. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak praising God, just as the angel of the Lord, Gabriel, promised he would. God is faithful. But there's even more evidence in our passage of God's faithfulness to his word. Back in verse 15, the angel says, your son, John, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never drink wine or beer and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in our passage today, verse 80, the very last passage, the last verse, the child grew up, that is John, and became spiritually strong, growing in the Holy Spirit, just as the angel said he would. God is faithful. When God says he's going to do something, he never reneges 
God keeps his promises. He is faithful, not fickle. Now, if you've been a member of church or a Christian for a a lengthy period of time, that's not new news to you. But I want you to see again just how good that news is. Because imagine for a moment if God wasn't faithful. If God just changed his mind. I've been um, watching one of the Thor movies recently, one of the Marvel movies, and um, in the kind of Thor universe, they're all so-called gods, the god of thunder, the god of mischief, the god of so many different things. And I've been thinking about Loki, which is the character in the green coat. He's known as the god of mischief on Asgard. You know, he's fickle. He likes to mess things and cause chaos. You know, he'll say one thing but do another. Imagine if the God of the Bible was like that, would say one thing but do another. Let there be light. Just kidding. I like it the way it is. I promise to send my son to save the world. Nah, I'll just leave it as it is. Decaying around. Could you imagine if God was like that? If God was fickle, it means that we could not have any predictability. We could not have any security. We could have no comfort. We couldn't do science or mathematics or anything like that because there would be no predictability of the future. If God can just change things, if gravity could just be different tomorrow than it is today because God says so, we couldn't have any scientific understanding of the universe, no rational prediction of anything there'd be no moral order no right and wrong because god can just change his mind if he wants murder could be okay tomorrow it will be a horrible place to live in let alone when you think about your relationship with god you would have no security no confidence that god loves you because what if he changes his mind it would be a horrible world to live in if god was not faithful but thanks be to god that he is faithful. So what should our response be? So it's not new news, but it's good news. What should our response be? Well, what was Zechariah's response? Well, I think we can see three ways that Zechariah responded to the faithfulness of God. Uh, The first is he praises God for his faithfulness. We're told in verse 64 that immediately after his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed, what did he do? His first action was to praise God. And let me say, when you reflect on how good it is that God is faithful to his word, you should never stop singing and praising him. That you have any security, comfort, predictability in our world, praise God for that. I mean, we take it for granted that the sun will rise every morning like i don't know how many of you get up in the morning pull the blinds in the bedroom or the lounge room you're like hey the sun's here again didn't expect that we we don't we just take it for granted but we ought not thank god that he has given us another day to honor him to tell others about how great he is his faithfulness his love our response should be to always praise god for his faithfulness over the next two days in the lead up to christmas you're going to have many opportunities to thank god for his goodness and faithfulness
take up those opportunities. Let your tongue be loosed and praise God for sending his son as the saviour of the world. The second way Zechariah responds to God's faithfulness is that he believes again. He believes again. You recall, obviously, that when the angel first told him that he was going to have a son, he didn't believe. And so he was unable to speak for nine months. But I guess over that nine-month period, I don't know if you've imagined what that would have been like for Zechariah being unable to speak for nine months. There are some people that I would like not to hear from for nine months, but imagine not being able to speak for nine months. It would be challenging to say the least. But no doubt that experience, then also seeing his wife's pregnancy develop over that nine months, he'd have pause to reflect. Maybe what God said he was going to do, God's going to do. And we know that Zechariah believes again because at the naming ceremony of his son, even though there was pressure from friends and family to name the baby someone else or something else, he writes down on that tablet, his name is John. He believes again what the angel said his name is going to be. And we also see that as Zechariah praises God, he believes again what God said about his son and what his son is going to do. In verse 17, the angel told him that his son is going to prepare the way for the Lord. And in his song of praise, particularly in verse 76, we're told that Zechariah says, you, my son, will be a prophet of the Most High and will prepare the way for the Lord. He believes what the angel said about his son. He believes again. I think that's a good response for us to mimic as well. To believe again. To believe again the truth of God's word. To believe again the goodness of God's word. And that sounds like old news again. But isn't it true at this time of the year, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth had many voices telling them what they should do or what they should name the baby, we have so many voices in our culture telling us what we should do, either at Christmas time or at any time of the year, how we should live our lives, the decisions that we ought to make. And they can be so persuasive, they can be so loud, and so often the word of God, the promises of God can just be maybe ignored, maybe just crowded out by everything else. Of course, there's going to be people in our world that don't follow the Lord Jesus. And so don't hear his word as something precious. But that's not us. Let me encourage you this Christmas, believe again the truth, the power, the goodness of God's word. Don't let it get crowded out by all the other Christmas voices and Christmas stories that are going to be told as good and as comfortable as they might be. Believe again the power of that nativity word. The word become flesh, made his dwelling among us to lift us up believe again the third response that i think zechariah makes is that he gets excited about the future he gets excited about the future and i think we can see this in his song of praise let me read it out again verse 68 and i want you to notice what is the core content character in mind as he praises god remember he's just 
seen the birth of his miraculous son, John the Baptist. But listen to who he praises God for. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the clutches of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege, since we have been rescued from our enemies' clutches, to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. Child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And yes, his son is in his mind. He's very thankful to God for John the Baptist. But the rest of the song of praise focuses not on John, but on someone else. The horn of salvation that will rise from the house of David. The one who will be the light of the world to shine in the darkness and the shadow of death. The one who will fulfill the covenant that God promised to Abraham, Moses, David and all the great ancestors and fathers of Israel. Who is that? That's Jesus. That's the Messiah. Zechariah is excited about John, yes. But he's even more excited about the future about the coming of Jesus because he will be the saviour of the world. Now, often at this time of the year, often our TV screens and uh, internet pages, social media, are, are blanketed with the new movies that are going to be coming out on Boxing Day and in the new year. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers for any of the new movies that are coming out. I've seen that there's going to be a new Transformers movie, Bumblebee, Get excited about that one. I saw a trailer for the Aquaman. I didn't even know there existed a, an Aquaman, but he looks pretty amazing, and I'm sure he can do amazing things. We might go see that one. And my favourite, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh, you've got to go along and see that one as well. And there are many others that will be coming out, Boxing Day and in the new year as well. But they're just the trailers at the moment. The movie's not out yet. The birth of John the Baptist for Zechariah was the trailer. And it was exciting. But Zechariah was more excited about the main act that was still to come. The birth of the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. I want to encourage you to get excited as well. Now, we live in a different time to Zechariah. We don't... We're not excited about, the, about Jesus' birth because that's already happened. Now, we ought to be excited about Jesus' birth. We ought to look back and thank God for his faithfulness in sending the Messiah, the Saviour of the world. But, like Zechariah, I think we still can get excited about the future because God hasn't just promised to send Jesus as a baby. God has promised to send Jesus back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
the horn of salvation has been raised. He's been raised from the dead and he now sits at the right hand of the Father and the Father is going to send him back to destroy the last enemy, death, to bring justice to the world, to renew all creation. I don't know about you, but with a, a body that's decaying, with a world that is just growing in dysfunction, I'm excited about that promise. That the Saviour is going to return as Lord and fix everything right. Can I encourage you, as we think about the first coming of Christ in two days' time, get excited about his second coming as well. What have we learnt today? God is faithful, not fickle. That's not new, but it's good. God is faithful. He doesn't change his mind. What God says, what God promises, God does. Unlike so much of the empty promises that will be on every wrapped toy under the Christmas tree, often leaving us feeling disappointed and empty, God's promise is never empty. It's full. And it does change your life. The remote control car will say this will change your life, but we know that's not true. But when God says it, he means it. So let me encourage you in the next couple of days, praise God, believe again, and get excited about the future. Let's pray. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thank you.